Hi, this is Patrick from the Hollywood Godfather podcast. As the podcast grows, Gianni and I have decided to fill the slot that Megan vacated last year. To get the best possible person, we have created an application process for those interested in this internship position. Requirements, female, at least 21 years old, be able to think quickly as we are unscripted, and be well-read in the events of the day. While our show is organized crime-oriented, expertise in this area is not necessary, but the ability to ask questions on a wide variety of subjects is, as our guests also include people from all areas of the entertainment industry, actors, writers, etc. You'll also be required to read the questions on air from our listeners. We broadcast once a week for about an hour. All shows are pre-recorded at various times to accommodate our schedules, as well as our guests' schedules. A decent speaking voice is important. To that end, all applicants are required to submit a video to Patrick at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com. The video will have you reading the first page from our novel, The Sixth Family in Your Natural Voice. The application process will be open from May 1st to July 1st this year. If Gianni and I can't decide among several applicants, we'll have those applicants join us on a show separately to see how they acclimate. Ours is a laid-back show, no pressure. We're a family who wishes to expand. Thank you, and good luck. My name is Gianni Russo, a.k.a. Carlo, the infamous son-in-law from The Godfather. I'm now known as the Hollywood Godfather, and this is my story. Walking with a limp like, will I ever run? Once again, or is this it? Am I forever done? Living in the hospital was never fun. Some people were cool, but not everyone. You never know. Welcome, everybody. It's time for another Hollywood Godfather podcast. And I have my compadre and co-writer, Pat Piccarelli, with me today again, as usual. And we have an amazing guest today, which Pat will tell us about. Hey, everybody. Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, as Johnny said, we have a guest and we've been doing this show uh, we're in our fifth year and we have never had a guest like what you're going to hear for the next two episodes this is going to be uh an episode that'll drop twice once next week and once the following week before we introduce him i'm going to uh read a quote from him and then we will get on with the show we don't belong to nobody and everybody belongs to us if you've got it, you want a piece. This was the motto of the Ghost Shadows, Chinatown's most feared criminal gang. And for almost a quarter of a century, it was the creed of which I lived my life. What was mine was mine, and what was yours was mine too. I did what I wanted, took what I liked, and smashed everyone who got in my way. Whether you were a rival Chinese-American gangster, a Dominican drug dealer, or a made guy in one of New York City's infamous five mafia families, it didn't make a damn bit of difference to me or my crew. Understand this, all gangsters are violent, but the ghost shadows took violence to a different level. Close quote. At that, and without further delay, we introduce to our audience, Kenny Wong. Hey, Kenny. Hi, thanks for having me on. Oh, we've been looking forward to this. <laughs> Uh, Kenny, we have a lot of mutual friends. I, I read your proposal. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Peter and uh, Gambino, all those guys. By uh, the way, we, we also want to thank Michael Moy, who set this up. Uh, Michael Moy was a guest of ours a few weeks ago. 
He uh, is the uh, uh, spokesperson for Chinatown Gang Stories. It's a YouTube channel. If you haven't checked it out already, please do. It's fascinating. Okay, Kenny. Uh, I, I mean, you know, I, I grew up in the same neighborhood you did. Uh, of course, uh, different families, different lifestyles, etc. But what I read here and what I learned about your life is so fascinating. You know, when we opened up the show, I said to our viewers, you're not going to hear anything like what Kenny has to say in any of our previous shows. And we've done over 200 of them. So start out. Well, you were, you were a die low in, in, in the ghost shadows, correct? I, I wouldn't say. I would say I would be in the middle management. Okay, what would that what would that compare to uh, uh, a m- mafia crew? Is that like a captain? A capo. Uh, yeah, I have the status of it, but I don't have the title. Yeah, okay. Right. Uh, th- my boss is the head of the gang, and I answer only to him and nobody else. Okay, so how old were you when you got involved? Um. First, I was uh, just uh, affiliated, uh, hanging around with the, uh, the younger crew. Uh, started probably like around 14 years old. And then when I was uh, 17, it became a full-time uh, gig. I uh, um, started hanging around with uh, uh, the crew in Chinatown, uh, the main crew, uh, the Bayard Street Ghost Shadow. And uh, once I'm down there, uh, um, the boss, the, the the leader of uh, of the gang, uh, already uh, took a liking to me and um, uh, had me by his side, by his side, and uh, took me under his wings, and and that's when I really started, in, uh, when I was seventeen. Well, you joined, or well, while you were involved, you had a specific goal, uh, and that was to avenge your father's death. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say avenge in a way, but I was very. Uh, when my father passed away, I was ten, only 10 years old. And um, I guess it traumatized me to the point where I felt a lot of hatred. Well, he didn't die of normal uh, circumstances, though, as, I, as I interpreted it. Um, what do you mean? Um, he didn't die, he just a natural death. Oh, he got gunned down. He got gunned yeah, when down. Well, when you say to most my father passed away, most people think, you know, he had an illness. I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, somebody put a hit out on him and uh, took care of business. And uh, it uh, really traumatized me. Uh, and it got me, my personality changed to a very hatred uh, little, young little kid. And the way... Uh, All right, uh, uh, Kenny. No. Tell us, tell us a little bit about your father because you were a little bit disillusioned as a kid. You had no idea to the extent he was involved in things perhaps he shouldn't have been involved in. So, give us the background as you knew it. Uh, okay, my father was uh, a businessman um, in Chinatown. Uh, he does uh, import, export, uh, dry goods for restaurants, and you know all sorts of uh, other stuff. He started off as a, a, a electrician. Um, and then he jumped into uh, uh, other businesses uh, like uh, import-export. And he also have a lot of dealings with, uh, with uh, uh, gambling. 
you know, all Chinese love gambling. And um, my father was one of those guys that um, is very uh, compulsive and, and, and addictive to uh, gambling. And he started uh, running his own games, underground uh, gambling uh, joints. And for him as a businessman with no connections, he, know, he knew a lot of people. A lot of people knew him, uh, but as a businessman only. Um, so he had to get in contact with uh, a certain group, a group of people or a gang um, to protection, for protection or, 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 or so uh, it won't get robbed. The, the place won't get robbed and the customers will feel safe uh, going in and out and playing uh, at his joint. So he got in contact uh, with um, um, the then uh, Mott Street Gold Shadows, uh, the, the highest leader, uh, the, uh, Peter Chen. Kids, I. So they became partners in the in the gambling joint that they had in uh, Baxter Street, uh, across the street from the tombs. Yeah. What did he do wrong to get himself a, a, a target of a hit? What did he do wrong? A, a few things. Um, number one, he didn't belong to any tongs. Okay. Uh, explain. Explain to our, our listeners who don't know what a tongue is. A tongue is supposedly uh, a community um, merchants association, you know, do good for the community. Uh, where, whereas if new immigrants come over, uh, um, they have uh, no means of, uh, of getting a job uh, outside of Chinatown and they will help them if they start up a business in, in Chinatown, uh, they will ask for advice and, you know, how to go about uh, starting the business and, and, uh, within uh, Chinatown. In reality? Uh, in reality, they're just like uh, a mafia organization, yeah? but they don't do their own dirty, uh, their own dirty work. Um, people that does it are the higher hands like us. We're the street kids, and we're the ones that uh, that does their uh, dirty deeds when, when it needs to, when the time uh, calls for it. Okay, so this was the uh, An Liang and the Hip Sing, the, 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 the two main towns. Yes, yes. Okay, so... You were saying, uh, you know, your father was gambling, and uh, how did he get on the wrong side? Which which tongue was it? First of all, he has good relation with both tongues. Okay, but the main thing that 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 really troubles me is that I have I don't understand why if you're dealing with uh, these type of uh, borderline underground uh, business type of dealings, um, you should have. Uh, become uh, either all a uh, uh, hip sing or only on tongue member, so you get protection. If you're a member of them, it's like you know, uh, um, if it, if somebody needs to put a hit out on you or, or, or disrupt your business or, or pushing up on you or extorting you, you're under the protection of the association that you are a member of. And if there is a hit that needs to uh, be sanctioned, the heads of the association, the tongues. Uh, need to be uh, confided, and and if it's okay to go go about it, you know. Okay. Yeah. What did your father do that pissed them off? To so all the pieces and bits of uh, information that I gathered all these years uh, from investigating, asking around, and um, and my research. Uh, so he had an import export uh, company um, that in Chinatown a warehouse with. Uh, Freezers, fridge, and all that stuff for you know dry goods. Um, so he had he made a deal with this other guy that was a hip sing uh, a, a member, um, which had dry goods of uh, shark fin, 
Uh, shark fin is a very uh, expensive uh, uh, um, delicacy. Yeah, yeah, delicacy that uh, a lot of uh, Chinese restaurants have it during weddings and big. Uh, oh yeah, know. the shark shark fin awesome. soup and all that stuff. I mean, that's great. And also try abalone, the really big ones uh, from uh, South Africa or, or down south uh, South America. They're they're a lot of money too. They uh, and that's a very uh, um, expensive uh, item for a lot. A delicacy for restaurants uh, to have during you know banquets or whatever. So he set the, him up, and uh, also had ha- with the uh, with the ghost shadow. Um, so they parted up to rob this guy out of his uh, his goods, and also I think there was fifty or hundred thousand dollars of cash involved. Um, and they robbed him. So the the, the ghost shadows. Uh, did the ro- robbery uh, like uh, like it was uh they while they were, they were dealing it at the warehouse the ghost shadows barged uh kicked in the door and robbed both sides both sides of uh, the deal uh to make it look like it's uh nobody was you know it was just a uh, a random uh, robbery so the ghost shadows uh ran off with the go- uh, the goods and um um a few days later um they were everybody was uh speculating news went out um. Um, who did the the robbery? Who 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 would do it? Um, nobody knew until my father. But during the robbery, the the gold shadow member also took his watch, uh, his uh, his pinky ring, and some gold chains uh, that he was uh, wearing during that time. But the funny thing is that the arrogance of my father was that um, three days later, um, walking around Chinatown, um, he had his uh, watch with him. He had his uh, gold ring and his gold chain. Mm-hmm. And that made people, you know, uh, went to finger, well, how the hell did you get it? Uh, get it back. You know, everybody, you know, lost all their stuff, uh, lost money, lost the goods. Uh, we got cleaned out. How the hell did you get it? So you must have been, either you know the people that did it uh, or you're part of it. You set the shit, the whole shit up, you know? So that, I believe that's how he got killed uh, uh, because of that incident. And how old were you at that time? I was probably eight, nine years old. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, I didn't know about it until um, later on in the years uh, when I grew up a little bit more. So once you're involved in, in the, the gang, you want to get the person who killed your father, which is understandable. And it seems, you know, from, from what uh, I was reading about you and what Michael told me and a few other people, you were driven to find this guy throughout your entire career with the gang. Is that true? It was hate. I mean, my father was like, like God to me. Idolized my father. Uh, He was very proud of me and, and, I, I, let's put, put it this way. I worship my father like he was a god. Yeah. And when somebody took that away from me, uh, I just lost it. Um, and up until that time, I mean, you were a, 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 a typical American, a Chinese-American kid. I mean, you, you were a Boy Scout. You did everything that was supposed to be done correctly. You were doing it. Tell us about that part of your life. Around the neighborhood where I live in, the, in the Gravesend, Shipset Bay. On that block, I was the, we were the only Asian family. 
um, we had some Italians and uh, Irish kids and uh, uh, Jewish kids. I played wiffle ball. I ride with them all around the block. We go play uh, Space Invaders every day. Now, um, we hang out together. Uh, we go to school together. I mean, I was just a typical American kid, you know, uh, growing up in Brooklyn neighborhood. You know? oh, you didn't speak Chinese to any extent either, did you? Well, now I have an accent because I went back to Hong Kong uh, when I was uh, 15 years old. Why? Um, I was cutting out of school, um, not coming home, uh, uh, hanging around with friends. And then eventually uh, word got out, got, got back to my family um, that I was starting to hang out in Chinatown. And, and that's a no-no. Okay, so this change in attitude was because of the effect your father's death had on you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, so you... anybody, I think. I mean, you know. But still, now, your family wants to get you away from these bad influences. So how do you wind up in Hong Kong? With who did you go? Or did you just say set you off? During that time, I was the only grandson. Um from the oldest son. So uh, I carry the family name. And uh, being the only grandson, uh, only uh, from, from uh, that lineage, they want to preserve and protect at all costs. So they thought that if uh, they uh, uh, bring me back to Hong Kong and uh, learn a little bit Chinese, um, how to be a little bit more subtle, uh, learn the traditional ways of, um, of a normal Chinese kid, I will... I will probably, you know, uh, discipline myself, learn some discipline. Okay. In reality, in reality, there, Hong Kong is bad. You got, you got mixed up with, with the triads, correct? That's a breeding ground for triads. And how, how did that happen? And when, what happened? I was going to school um, in, in, um, in this, uh, uh, they call North Point. Um, I was That's being. Okay, long? I was 15 years old. I was 15 years no, old. That, that's, that's in Hong Kong or Kowloon? Yeah, in Hong Kong. In Hong Kong. Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah, on the Hong Kong island side. So yeah. for me as a, a American uh, uh, kid going back to Hong Kong, that uh, my, my Chinese, uh, my Cantonese were very, very, very poor. Um, they made fun of me all the time. Um, pick on me. You know, I probably because of uh, the cultural difference. Uh, I grew up in America. They're in Hong Kong, the way I dressed was uh, different than them. Um, so I was the target of uh, being bullied. And, and for me, not um, always um, have that attitude that I, I, I'm not going to be picked on. I, I stand for myself. So um, got into a lot of fights with them and eventually uh, got into a lot of trouble with school, uh, even though I was a uh, you know, foreign uh, exchange kid. Um, one of my classmates told me, if you want them to get off your back, you have to join uh, Triad. If you're a member um, and they know that you're a member, they'll leave you alone. You, know, you have protection. I said, why not? You know, why not? Let's do it. So I joined the rival gang, a rival Triad uh, from the guys that was picking on me. Um, and, and it worked. You know, I had peace throughout. Uh, during that time, but uh, so uh, about how old were you at, at this point? It 
it, it was the first couple of months when I was back there. It was you know, beginning of uh, probably um, right after, uh, I will say, 15 and a half years old. You know, not okay, even. So you're, you're, you're in the triad and you, you, you feel a sense of peace, but you feel also a sense of uh, camaraderie. You got people on your side. You're with something that gives you purpose. Yes. And how did that progress to the next step while you were in the triad? Well, there was an ongoing uh, turf war uh, going on uh, with uh, uh, for construction, for construction site, uh, which triad will control the, the operations of that con- uh, construction site. Uh, that's big money for, for the organization. It's basically uh, extortion of the construction site, right? Well, yes. Who t- who takes over that construction site to operate it and uh, put people in there, uh, the materials, whatever, anything, you know. Um, it's lucrative. Yeah. So they would, they used machete back, uh, back in Hong Kong um, as um, when they face off. Um, when the negotiations uh, fail, um, both sides start chopping, uh, chopping each other up, you know, with the uh, machetes. Um, and the and the gangs with uh, most people standing wins, you know, uh, until one side says, oh, let's give up. I don't want, I don't want to put, uh, you know, uh, uh, keep on paying for the hospital bills or, or, or bail money or whatever. So during that time, I was, uh, I was a young kid, a young kid that followed uh, one of the, uh, the crew leader and the crew leader, whenever, when all said and done, after, after everybody was down on the floor, he just told me, yo, grab the knife. You have your knife on you, go there and slice him up. I said, while he's on the floor? I said, yeah. You have to smell the blood. And once you smell the blood, the next time you'll be able to do it uh, without anybody telling you. You'll you, you want to do it. And um, you did it. Yeah, I did it. How did it make you feel first time? I don't know. It was uh, The feeling was nervous, scared, or excitement. Um, well, let me, ask, let me ask you this. How did you feel the second time? Second time was easy. Yeah, that's what I figured. <laughs> yeah. Like a freaking vampire, you know, uh, <laughs> taste of blood and then everything else uh, falls, uh, falls in place. You know, you want it again. So uh, aside from defending your, your, your triad, what, what were you doing? What kind of crimes? What else did you get involved in? Uh, I mean, you're only 15 years old here. You know? I didn't really have too much activities. Mostly uh, uh, it was sent to do... Uh, Odd jobs like beating people up, uh, uh, follow uh, one of the older guys uh, while he's on collection to uh, to face off as muscle, you know. Yeah, I, I was just too young. I was scrawny. I, I wasn't really that big. Uh, 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 I mean, I was bigger than most of the uh, Chinese kids in Hong Kong of my age. Um, maybe it's because of uh, the, the milk that I drink in America. Yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the protein that, that we have over here. Swinging a, a, a machete though makes you a little bigger and more powerful. I mean, it's a little bit different. It, you don't just hold a machete; they tie it up or they wrap it up with uh, either duct tape or or, or a uh, cloth, so it doesn't fall off. Uh, uh, fall out uh, of your hand when you're yep. chopping somebody, when you're slicing somebody, and and it's also um, uh, a different color code where they where they recognize their own people uh, during the uh, the scuffle. Yeah. You know? What was color coded? The blades. Oh, the, not the blade, the wrapping. Oh, okay. The, when you're holding the blade and they wrap it around your 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 right. uh, hand. That, so that identifies you. So you don't drop it? Yeah. 
Who were you living with at the time? Um, my grandmother, my my mother's side grandma, uh, grandmother. Yeah. Do you have any idea what was going on? Not really. Not really. Uh, until later on, uh, they started, uh, you know, thinking that I'm acting funny. I'm always uh, on the phone with somebody. Uh, I'm always, uh, uh, I come home late from after school. Uh, weekends, I'm not around. Um, so they started, you know, to ask questions, but I, I kept it, uh, you know, a uh, secret for, for a while until, until I think a week before I came back to America. Why did you come back? I mean, what was, how long were you there, first of all? I was there probably like around a little bit over a year. Right before I was uh, 17, I came back. Why did you, how did you come back? Under what circumstances? Um, I was crying. I, I called back to America to my, uh, my aunt, my, uh, one of my uh, father's uh, uh, younger sisters. And being the only grandson, I kept on crying and, and, and um, told her I wanted to come back. You know, they're, they're picking on me over here. You know, I'm being bullied. I'm your, I'm your only nephew. You have to protect me. That's your duty. <laughs> it worked. Yeah, it worked. You know, a lot of learning. And, well, and, uh, Kenny, while you're coming back to America, uh, we, we're going to have to go to a commercial. Okay. All right, please. All right. We'll be right back. Remember, we know where you are, so don't go anywhere. We are pleased to announce the publication of a new book series from Gianni Russo and Patrick Piccarelli entitled The Sixth Family. When the alleged daughter of Marilyn Monroe asks for help, Gianni Russo becomes entangled in a web of lies and violence in the search for the late actress's diary. Soon, he is abashed in a mystery that involves a presidential candidate, a disgruntled Mafia Copo, a retired NYPD detective, and the past of Mafia boss Frank Costello. Russo must race against the clock to stop a hostile reorganization of the American Mafia while trying to stay one step ahead of a faceless killer. While listening to this book, skillfully read by Gianni himself, the listener will have to determine what is true and what is fiction. Or as Gianni says before this epic story begins, this book is a work of fiction, except for the parts that are true. Look out for the second installment of this exciting new series coming in 2023. The Sixth Family. Book One is available now on Amazon.com. We're back. Okay, so uh, when, when we left, uh, you have arrived back in in, uh, in Chinatown. Did you seek out the ghost shadows? Did you? And no, you had a taste of the life now. Mm -hmm. And was this what you wanted to do? To be honest, I was never a really violent person until you know, the, my father passed away. You know, it changed me, my whole uh, personality. It brought up the devil in me uh, for some reason. I, it took me a long time to fix myself uh, mentally to get to where I'm at right now. Um, yeah, I was very determined. Once I got back, I said, I said to myself, I think I'm ready. I got, I got the proper training. Um, I think I got the balls to do whatever, whatever it takes. Uh, to oh, your, your father's cousin was Benny Ong, and I know who he, who he is or was. Tell everybody who Benny Ong was. You talking about the Godfather of Chinatown? Yes. Himself? No, yeah. he wasn't a cousin. Uh, my grandmother is, uh, has the same la last name. 
They're from the same village. Okay. Uh, two hundreds of years, uh, years of bloodline, they they are considered uh, uncle and niece. Yeah. One uh, uh, one level higher than, status, one level higher than my uh, my grandmother. So my father is like a, a, a grand nephew to uh, to Benny Ong. Okay, so when, when well, explain who, who he was. Uh, Benny Ong is the AKA Uncle Seven. Um, he was the I would say the forever president or uh, 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 spokesperson for uh, the Hip Sing Asso- Association. Uh, it's uh, it's located on Pell Street. It's uh, that association dates back probably like um, the beginning of uh, of uh, Chinatown when they first built it back in the uh, eight, uh, early 1800s or whatever. You know, I, I'm not sure about the history. Um, but he's a very powerful figure. Okay. I met so, him several times. Everybody did who lived down there. I used to see well, him. I know out. what I'm saying, yeah. The, yeah. He's very, he, he walked the streets like God. Forget it. Yeah. Everybody did you, respected him. Did you did you seek him out? Did you want to go into the lifestyle and, and he was your conduit to get into the lifestyle? No, because I I had a feeling, and with all the you know, the, the adults were talking about the, my father's uh, passing and why it happened and how uh, how all that thing, uh, you know, they were speculating. I caught on to bits and pieces of it, and I always figured that it had something to do with the uh, hip sing and, and, and the flying dragons. So I really hate, grew up growing up hating, uh, hating uh, hip sing and, uh, on the, uh, and, and uh, flying dragons. So that was never, uh, it was, I, w- I would never join that part, a part of the uh, Chinatown. So how did, how did you get involved with the ghost shadows? Um, my father used to uh, work with the uh, kids, I, Peter Chen, uh, with the gambling houses. So we're, they have really good relationships, uh, uh, at like a brotherhood. Um, we're always down on Mott Street, and and a lot of times, my father on the weekend, um, after dinner, would um, use me as an excuse and take me out to Chinatown at night uh, and tell my mom, "Hey, uh, I'm gonna bring uh, uh, Kenny with me. I'm gonna go play MJ uh, with the guys." In natural reality, he went down there to the gambling houses. Uh, he would. Uh, hang out with the the, the ghost shadow uh, uh, the hierarchies, and they will leave me with uh, with one of the soldiers or or uh, the girls to uh, look after. Um, you probably know one of them. Um, you probably heard of him. His name is uh, Bradley Joe BJ. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know what? But what I also learned. I mean, I, I was a kid and I really didn't know what I was learning. But after I, I became older, I, I realized that the elders, uh, Peter Chins, Benny Ongs. Uh, Johnny Yang, if you know Johnny Yang, uh, they discouraged younger people from getting involved in the life. Seriously, they they do, they do. Uh, like I said, when I was uh, before I went back to Hong Kong, uh, uh, before the age of fifteen, um, a lot of times, uh, while before Peter Chin was locked up in eighty four, I will always run down to Chinatown, Chinatown Fair, and hang out with uh, a lot of his uh, younger. Uh, uh, a guy's up, and once he spotted me, he will, you know, grab me, uh, tell one of his uh, guys, "Yo, take him back to uh, Brooklyn. Make sure he's in school. Uh, if he comes down here, you're to answer. That's your responsibility from now on." 
So I made it tough for a lot of um, uh, a lot of uh, the ghost shadows, our older member that that was placing responsibility to tell, look after me and make sure that I'm not down in Chinatown. Um, yeah, they understand that that's not not the life for anybody to live. Um, so that's very that, interesting because you know when I was younger, at the same age as you're talking, I'm a lot older than you, but uh, like you know. Carlo Gambino and O'Neill and those guys that were one block away from you, they they protected me. They didn't want me involved. I never did get involved because if that that's what it should be out of respect to your family, and that's I, I knew that from them. You know, just being around the Hongs, that that's they they didn't encourage it. They had other people to do that, not people that were basically indirectly their family members, which they considered you to be a family member, obviously. So you you wind up taking their advice or their direction or their orders. You wind up going back to Brooklyn. And well, I was forced. Uh, they, they grabbed me and, you know, put me in their car and drove back to Brooklyn. Forced <laughs> oh. Yeah, but w- when you get there, you, you wind up putting together your own crew. Um, that was after 84. Uh, after uh, Peter Chin and uh, the 25 uh, Ghost Shadow members that uh, got indicted, that got locked up. Um, I and I, I kind of like you know I, I want to start my own crew in Brooklyn, um, to carry on the name. The ghost shadows not dead yet, you know. Uh, we're still around, and you know I think we should do our part. So that's why I formed a couple of guys, and we you know uh, that have uh, ties with uh, other uh, ghost shadow members also, and and we formed together. It was actually uh, guys that were that I went to school with in Ships at Bay. Okay, but you didn't go anywhere near Chinatown. Not during that time. We just operate around, roam around uh, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. What, you, what were you doing with this crew? What kind of crimes? Um, exploding. Exploding Chinese restaurants. Mm. Um, we're very low level back then. We're just kids. We didn't really even know the, the trick of the trade yet. Uh, um, all we know is that look, we, we run our money. Let's go... Uh, um, extort the Chinese restaurants. Tell them that they're under our protection from now on. Uh, they're for grabs anyway. It's uh, it's uh, the outer perimeters uh, of Chinatown, so nobody should should be able to. Nobody has a, has a claim on it yet. You know? So the more you got involved, uh, did you start uh, thinking? Well, I'm getting all these uh, all these connections. You you had your taste of violence back in Hong Kong. You set your sights on on finding the person who who killed your dad. I mean that was that was your goal. Yes, you had that that fire inside of you, and nothing was going to change it. No, it wasn't going to change. Well, and also I, making a lot of money didn't really uh, uh, present itself until you got a taste of it, and then you surely grasped it. I mean, you were going to Atlantic City and the other places. You were going through a lot of money. That was later on in the years. That was when I was like 18 years old. That's when I started making money. Doing what? I was, uh, like I said, I was under the uh, um, the guidance of the, um, the leader of the, our gang, Go Shadow, during that time, uh, uh, my, my era. Robin? Robin T. Yeah. So I was considered his, uh, in the beginning, I would say I, I was his errand boy. Um, and he was guiding me, teaching me, lecturing me to how to become uh, useful for him. 
Um, so slowly but surely, I was taking care of some of his stuff. At first, I was just buying him cigarettes, picking up uh, his uh, his uh, takeout order, you know, dry cleaning, this and that, you know. And then uh, eventually it escalated to um, uh, picking up drug money. I didn't know it was drug money. He just told me, yeah, listen, go to that location um, uh, at a certain time. There's a duffel bag. Um, he knows who you are. He already uh, recognized you. He, he, he's seen you before. So just go there at that time and just pick up that bag and bring it back down to China to me. So when did you start getting seriously involved in heavy-duty crime? When I started understanding that all that money came from uh, some heroin. Uh, from, that's uh, the big heroin one. Deal, yeah, heroin uh, dealings. Um, and I was part of the game. I was uh, I was one of the deliverers that delivered uh, the, the goods. Uh, I was the warehouse keeper. Um, I was the one that go grab the big shipment and bring it back. Um, what, what, what kind of weight are we talking about here? We're talking about a brick is uh, 700 grams. That's, the, that's how it comes when, in, in, from the um, Golden Triangle. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, probably like what a pound and a half or something like that. Right yeah. And uh, the price of it that we pay for probably like around 60, 65. Um, and it it's so pure that you could chop it up, uh, you could cut it into like one brick could can, can, can make like around six, seven bricks, to be honest. Um well, so you're talking close to half a million dollars. Yeah, um for one one brick, and you could yeah. probably sell that. Uh, break for like around close to a hundred, mm. and if uh, you sell it to uh, uh, the Spanish or, or whoever that's uh, that street level, you could probably bring it up to a uh, hundred thirty uh, per break. So, how old are you at this time? I'm fifty three. No, at this no, I, I mean at the oh, time. So eighteen. Eighteen. Okay, so now you're making a lot of money, and you discover Atlantic City. Uh, tell us, I mean, I was reading about this, this what you were doing down there, the, the money you were going through. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. I'm not really a gambler. Um, I go down there to eat, uh, buy stuff, spend money, whatever, you know, uh, but I don't gamble. Um, I'm not a heavy gambler. I, I was too young. I didn't even understand um, no. uh, the, how, how the games were played. Um, when I first went down to Atlanta City, the first time it was Robin that took me down there my boss. Um, and I see the way he plays and, um, um, and obviously all, uh, street guys got a habit. I used to do coke, you know, um, without him knowing, but I carry his stuff for him. He, he used to do a lot of, uh, um, um, coke too. So I was the one that holds up uh, the goods for him. Whenever he needs it, I would give it to him, you know, and then I got hooked on myself. I wouldn't say hooked on during that time, uh, but uh, curiosity, I, I would be playing with them, um, with my friends, uh, snort a couple lines, drink, um, party with the girls in Atlanta City. Uh, but uh, I wasn't much of a big spender until later on in the years. Um, that's when I discovered that how to uh, play the games, how to gamble. You know. and what, 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 kind of, what kind of money were you going through? I will say, if I ever lost money, it wasn't it wasn't in Atlanta City. It, it was it was uh, football betting. 
with the with the bookies in uh, New York. I would bet on every single freaking game um, for for that Sunday. Uh, I don't know much about um, college fo- uh, both football, but NFL. I would I would bet on every damn game Thursday, kind of se- uh, Sunday, and Monday. Yeah, now those three days. And if I'm lucky, I might make out something, but most of the time I lose. What what kind of money are we talking about? We're talking about two, three thousand for uh, for a game. Uh, sometimes I will put uh, a couple games together in the box, uh, do a couple of reverses, you know, and yeah. you know how, how how much that money goes. Yeah. Um, in the beginning, I still had money. I was able to pay up uh, every week um, uh, to support that game we have. And then it escalated. Who was your bookmaker at that time? Do you remember? Yeah, Nine Fingers, they call him. Okay. Nine Fingers. He was a Chinese bookie. I'm an easy guy. But who is he turning into? I have no idea. I didn't care. As long as I bet with you, if I win, you better you better pay up. Yeah. So it went, it got so bad that I owe this freaking guy like close to 300. Uh 300 grand. Wow. I think it was like around two and a half weeks of uh, betting uh, that I that I kept on telling him, you know, push it over, push it over to next week. And he actually sent some boys down uh, to collect on my street, um, which that, that was a mistake by him. Uh, I smacked the shit out of both of them. And I told uh, both of them, I said, yo, uh, tell your boss, give me a call. You know what? Matter of fact, just tell him he's not going to get paid because he disrespected me on my street. You should have gave me a, a page. Uh, try some means of uh, uh, contact me and, and and we'll talk about it. But no, you have to send somebody here to disrespect me and and um, make me look stupid. So I said, you're not getting paid. Right? So said, what became of that? You just wanted to pay the guy or not? He can't do nothing. Yeah. What can he do? Yeah, I'm not telling you. know who I am. Uh, um, I mean, I'm not a, a very powerful person. I'm a well-known uh, gangster, but he knows who I am uh, enough to know that uh, I'm not the person to fuck with, you know. So, so he just let it go. He let it go. Well, uh, uh, apparently you had more juice than you thought you had because that's a lot of money. <laughs> well, at that well, age, no, but I see the he... bottom line though, they they're not going to get killed. He'll take them out. Yeah. They, they're they're used to shaking down idiots that'll go and get the money if they could fear them. That's the only way he got paid. These guys got paid if they if they feared you, and you didn't fear. He didn't fear them. So where's, where are they going to run? It was more like I'm extorting them in a way, right? Instead of you know uh, uh, regular uh, business uh, dealings, you know, it was kind of dirty, dirty tactics uh, on my side. So, as your career, if you can call it that, escalated, what did it escalate into? What were you What were you doing uh, aside from the drugs? And I mean, there were robberies. I'm sure you know we discussed that. I was taking care of a lot of. Uh, uh, business for uh, for my boss uh, that was passed down uh, from uh, Aliyah. Like there was an incident in um, uh, Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio. Um, one of the gambling houses uh, that was uh, being operated in Cleveland, Ohio, under the banner of uh, Aliyah Association, mm-hmm. was being uh, there was some uh, problems there. There was a guy that 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 started uh, that started trouble. Um, there was a guy that. I played there, lost all his money, and uh, at the, the last bet, he pulled out a thirty-eight revolver and placed it on the on a bet. I'm betting this, all right? And you better fucking pay if I win. 
So it, it caused a really uh, big incident in small community, uh, Chinese community. And um, uh, the office over there, the, the Anyang uh, merchant's uh, office over there, called over for help. And because um, Chinese people, you know, it's all about face and respect. You disrespect so let, me, let me ask you a question, acting as my audience would. In Cleveland, that also was a Chinese organization, not Italian? No, it was a Chinese. It was, it was, there was an Anyang association there. Okay, that's yeah. why I'm the no, no, That's what I'm talking about. So they asked for help and they sent us over there. And uh, we went over there and took care of business. Um, we, I didn't take him out. We just, I just broke, him, uh, broke his hand. Um, broke his hand with, uh, with a hammer, uh, messed him up really bad. Um, I even took his gun. I said, oh, nice piece. Uh, I took it with me. I never bought it back. I left it in Cleveland, but um, uh, we just messed them up. We just show well, them a lesson. That's all. <laughs> uh, don't mess with this place. This is not a place where you should you should uh, start trouble with. You, know. you you were pretty well known by the fifth precinct, as I recall. Uh, they never bothered you, well, except this time you hadn't been arrested. I don't think I ever. I, I've been arrested a couple of times, but they. But I mean, they fine. You did no time. They let me out. Yeah. They didn't put me through central booking or that stuff. Um, I guess they didn't want the trouble. They were on the payroll. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say they were on the payroll. They. It, it wasn't serious enough for them to do that type of paperwork, and and you know what? Uh, just give me a warning. Uh, uh, don't start any trouble. Uh, yeah. You give us trouble, we don't we, we don't start them. Uh, we won't bother you. Any serious problems with the other gangs of uh, uh, Chin or any of them uh, that you you really had to go to battle with? Uh, the Tongans. Okay. Uh, I hated them. Um, there was an incident that I uh, talked to uh, Miles about. You know, uh, my sister was a. Uh, my younger sister had a friend. Um, she didn't know. My, my sister was very innocent. You know, she's just a schoolgirl. Um, which her that that friend of hers, that girlfriend of hers, was was dating a, a Tongan member, and she after school they cut out of school or whatever. Uh, took my sister down to Chinatown and started hanging around uh, uh, at the Tongan uh, clubhouse. Um, I found out. My mother found out, uh, kept on paging me and, uh, and uh, told me, uh, you know, get your sister back. Because uh, Tongan uh, gang had a very uh, poor reputation back then of uh, uh, doing the train, the girls. Yeah. And, and as an uh, older brother, I love my, uh, my, 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 my sisters. Uh, I, I always feel that it was my duty to protect them with my life, whatever happens. Uh, so, excuse me for one minute. Uh, so what happened is that I uh, had a big uh, thing with them, uh, with the gang leader, Sonny, uh, with uh, the gang, uh, Tolong Yang, and eventually uh, it escalated to a lot of people going to uh, the hospital and shootings. Okay, but uh, the rest of your gang career uh, escalated. Uh, put it that way. Um, you were involved with the Italians, uh, other ethnic groups. The level of violence increased. You were armed to the teeth. 
You're always running around with several weapons. What we're going to do now is uh, cut it here for the first episode because you have still a lot more to talk about. Yes. We'll continue this uh, with uh, episode number two. So, uh, Johnny, you want to bring us out here? Sure. Well, this will be back, as you just heard from Pat, with our a good friend, Kenny. I'm calling a good friend already. <laughs> I'm afraid of him now. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only teasing you. But uh, we'll be back next week with this. And I'm sure where he's going to take us next week is going to be way beyond what you just heard. Oh, yeah. We'll it gets back. worse or better, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Okay, Johnny, right. have a good night. Uh, Kenny, thank you very much for being thank with us. Thank you. And we'll be back next week. Listen, it was an honor. <laughs> thank you. Mine, please. Ours. Thank you. Until okay. next week. And that was that. But I'll be back. Thank you for tuning no in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo or Patrick Picciarelli with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather and on Facebook, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob in Hollywood as well as answers to your messages. My kids still can't believe I sat with a saint. My life's like scenes out of a movie. I'm the Hollywood Godfather, truly. I got stories with them all. You know, celebrities, world leaders, icons. Who knows what's next for me? I'll never get too old to have a little fun. Come on, I'm Gianni Russo. A genuine one of a kind. What a ride it's been, this life of mine. And I ain't done yet. I'll be back until next time. And that was that.